and let's clap in one, two, three. Welcome back to Detroit Strange. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was going to try to beat you to it today. Bitch, when the clap is done is when I start. Don't try it. No, I'm just kidding. If we can switch off if you want. No, I I wanted to to catch you off guard because I'm a jerk. <laughs> I have a new setup today. I just. Yes. You were feeling it. New intro. <laughs> new setup. Who does? Exactly. I mean, I'm still in a blanket fort, but now I'm in the opposite direction in a blanket fort. Yeah. It's a big change. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're reclaiming the word huge. Yes. There is an H. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I actually, this morning, I was just, I don't even know, I was brushing my teeth and out of nowhere, I just had the thought, I was like, Trump's not our president. And I, I mean, I know I've known this, but. It just hit differently in my brain for a second, and I was so happy. I know exactly what you mean. There's just been times where I'm like, oh my God, things are, the government it's is different. actually being a, it's things that, like, they're just ordering more vaccines. That was an option the whole time. <laughs> like, they can just do that. <laughs> they're making logical decisions. It's oh, so, this is a nice wow. change of pace. It really I is. I know. You know, not to talk about it too much because, Obviously, it's been a topic in many people's uh, uh, right, yeah, conversations for a while. But uh, it just—I don't know—it just hit differently when that thought popped in my head today, and I was—I was happy when it happened. Now it feels—it feels real. You know what it is? It just—it finally feels like that's—it's real. Yeah, and it's not just a dream. Yeah. Like when it finally hit his reel for me, I'm like, oh my God. Just we were in the thick of it for four years to be out of it. Like, oh, that was some shit. Mm-hmm. That was some shit. I don't want to be there again. Yeah. I mean, trauma. Yeah. Amongst the many other collective traumas. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Like we've checked one trauma off our list. We can, you know, we're working our way down. Mm-hmm. Corona, exactly. you're next. Mm-hmm. In other news, what's new with you? Oh, um, I went on a walk outside or well, I went on a hike outside last Friday, which was I was like a little trepidatious about going in the wintertime because I don't love winter, Uh, but it was not bad. It was actually really, really nice. I only did like three miles, but it was lovely. And I think I'm going to try to do it more, even though it's winter. And I've been going like on walks in my neighborhood most days which it's great i was starting to do that in the fall of like bitch just get out there and walk just like even if it's just a mile just go mm-hmm. walk around your neighborhood didn't even make it a week though and i keep thinking i should start doing that even though it's winter just get out of the house for a minute because i actually kind of like winter i know I, I, no I no no is if it's not super windy that's what gets me when it's the wind when i was a kid i loved winter i would like you know, build igloos with, I had one of those black builder things and stuff like that. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I claim to like winter a lot. And I think I did. I just, I don't like being cold. Like I'd rather be warm than be cold in general. Yeah. I mean, I like a, a nice medium to be honest. Oh, same. But I don't like driving in snow. It looks pretty. I can, I would like to visit it. See it for like a week and then not if winter was a week long, that'd be great for me. (laughs) Uh, If we can just adjust that. I mean, it's getting shorter and shorter every year, so we're on our way. True. Doesn't mean good things for the future, though, Mm -hmm. but winter is getting shorter. Yeah. Yeah. But I've enjoyed being outside again, which, you know, seasonal effective. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been my new thing, I guess, if we're going to talk about new. Yeah, I love that. What's new with you? Uh, I just found out that I can fit two full sheets of drywall in a Malibu. Congratulations. I was like, because like I, I needed more drywall for the basement. Because I have just a bunch of like scraps left and mm-hmm. like still like 
probably like four or five sections of wall. Not big ones, but like four or five sections of wall that still needed drywall. Okay. And I was like, I don't want to have to cobblestone these scraps together then figure out how to do these seams because I'm doing all this for the first time. I don't know how to mud and tape, but I know it's going to be awful because everyone says mudding and taping. It's the worst. Oh, I didn't know that. You learn something new every day. It actually says it on the packaging. It says taping. It'll be the worst. <laughs> well, it's thoughtful. Thoughtful's not the right word, but that's something of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just so I was like, I'm going to make this easier on myself by buying two full eight feet long sheets of drywall and an exacto knife and then cutting them into the sizes I needed them in the Home Depot park or Lowe's parking lot. Hashtag not sponsored. Um <laughs> I was just sitting in the parking lot for like 20 minutes, cutting my drywall and putting it in my car. I'm like, and what? Fantastic. Every, <laughs> every time I do it, I'm like, trucks are fucking shook. Trucks are quaking <laughs> everywhere that this Malibu can fit whole, like two whole sheets of drywall. Well, here's the thing. If you know how to use like the back seat and you know what I mean? Do you have one of those? Yeah. It, does it fold down? So the trunk. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah which. When they started doing that, what a lovely feature, by the way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know when that started, but good job, car people who made that yeah. happen, because that that's huge. Um, but yeah, you can fit a lot into just a sedan. When I moved uh, across the country, I fit basically, well, I fit everything into a sedan. My little Ford Fusion. That is crazy. I like have moved a few times. And well, there wasn't like furniture or, you know, no, I know I'm, big, yeah. I'm saying even still like I maybe I've gotten better at packing now, but like I remember moving home from college. I'd usually have to like someone would have to come take a trip before I left. Like, you know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah. But, like, yeah, sometimes it was furniture, but sometimes I'm just like I can take what I could fit in my car. So I guess this just doesn't make in the gut. <laughs> I mean, I purged a lot, too. So don't don't get yeah. me wrong. My parents guest room got a new bed and you know yeah a lot of things i had a huge garage sale actually too that i mostly consisted of me giving everything to my friends yeah <laughs> they'd come over and try to like buy stuff and i'd be like no they'd be like you're you're moving you can probably use some cash <laughs> it's like no right like let me pay like you're having a garage sale not a giveaway like not a giveaway <laughs> yeah <laughs> What I'm saying is everybody come to garage sale if I have it, because. <laughs> right. Worst haggler. Yeah. I'll give you five bucks for it. Just take it. What? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I get that, too, when you're just at certain, like, I get to a certain point. I'm like, I don't care what happens to it. I just need it out of my sight immediately. Mm-hmm. Or just yeah, like, well... there's so much shit. I don't care anymore. Just get it out of here. I love purging things, too. Like. It's very cathartic to go through. I mean, there's all that, you know, uh, does it bring you joy stuff? But I, and I've never read the books or anything. I just know that one yeah. phrase. That's literally all I know. But it does feel good to go through stuff sometimes and get rid of what you don't need. And it feels really good if you can donate that stuff to either a place or, you know, somebody, you know, yeah. or. It just feels good. It's nice. Right. I never like to throw anything away. You know, like, I have no use for this. Nobody in my life has used for it. Nobody wants it. Same. Like, it's like more in terms of like furniture, but like, I'm so bad at purging because I feel like I can come up with a sentimental attachment for like anything. And so like <laughs> when I start, like when I start purging, like, oh, and then when like, I get frustrated because I need to fit things, places and whatever. I'm like, fuck it. Everything's getting thrown away. Like there is no in between. <laughs> it's like, oh, but this pad of paper I got in college at like a something fair. And then I'm like, I don't have room for it. Gotta go by. I love sentimental things. And I'm more, sh I'm always shocked that I'm, I feel like I should be somebody who has a very hard time getting rid of things. Cause I can find sentimentality and everything, but I'll find the sentiment and I'll be like, Oh, Oh, that time. Okay. But I think that's right. also why I really like like photographs and things like that. Because it's a small thing that exists. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, really, especially now with, you know, digital stuff, like it doesn't take a ton of space. Right. And you still have that. I think 
that's where my sentimentality kind of really comes out is like photographs and videos and things like that. I feel like it's been an interesting, uh, I'm going to use the word again, journey with photos and video because it was like, I remember growing up, you get like a disposable camera and then like take pictures, but you only get 30. Like I loved those. Right. But just, or like how much effort it went to like make pictures viewable as we're now like with smartphones, you just can snap 12 pictures in like a minute. It's weird too. Cause I think about this a lot too. Cause you used to use like albums or just have a box of photos you'd go through every once in a while. And that's how we used to do it. And you used to maybe have a photo album, even like out in a room or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now it's, either all in our phone, maybe, maybe on your computer, probably on the internet somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel like because of that, and because there are so many more photos, like you're talking about, it is weird because I'm like, do people go through them? Like, do you really, I do once in a while, I guess, but it's usually because I'm looking for something. Yeah. And other than that, I feel like they get viewed less than like an analog I like I feel yes for sure I definitely feel that and I feel like I can tell because I used to like be like I need to take a picture of everything like especially mm-hmm. when I'm traveling I need to take a picture of everything I'm like and then I realized I never went back and looked at those photos because I just took a picture, a picture of everything so it doesn't matter and then I overcorrected and didn't take them like I saw it I don't need a picture and then I'm like oh, I kind of wish I would have taken a picture of that so kind of Mm-hmm. trying to find the line now of what is picture worthy. And I think that's part of the reason why I like Snapchat too, because you don't really have to decide. You just send it and then that's it disappears. Mm-hmm. You don't really need it anymore. Yeah. I mean, if I go on a trip, I'm taking a million photos. Just let's all be forewarned about that. Uh, yeah. And probably because I'm me probably still posting them on Facebook or something. If it's a big enough trip, uh, yeah. <laughs> even though nobody does that anymore. I just like having them in a collection online in case something happens. Essentially. Oh, see, mine are all like in the cloud, like Google cloud. The Google. I used mm-hmm. to love. Yeah. Cause I used to like post them on Facebook too. Cause that was like, that would be like the only thing I post on Facebook anymore is like, mm-hmm. if I went on a trip, I'd post pictures to like a Facebook album just to, like, mm-hmm. I think cause I do have a lot of family on there too. And they're like, Oh, we'd love seeing your pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there's everyone else. And I'm like, I don't need you seeing my life. Actually, I do have um, I have ample cloud, uh, yeah, <laughs> iCloud as it were. So I guess and my pictures are backed up there. So I guess I do have. They're probably okay, but yeah, it is nice because scared. it is like a digital photo album on Facebook. Because I like every mm-hmm. once in a while, I will go back and like look at my albums. I've made most of them private at this point, so only I can see them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I'm like same with like a lot of old YouTube videos I made way back in the day, like in mm-hmm. high school and college that are just like they're nothing like crazy or like bad. Like there's nothing. It was just like me being a stupid teenager with my friends. and They're just dumb videos. And I'm yeah, like, I, I'm going to just mark these as only I can see them because I want to be able to find them when I want to find them. But I don't need anyone coming back being like, remember that video you made in eighth grade or like ninth grade, but like, yeah. All of my videos from that time period, here's my secret. I am a bit older, <laughs> so they were all on VHS. Seasoned. <laughs> uh, actually, I do have them on DVDs, though. But yeah, all my videos, like not all of them, they're on DVDs. Actually, I'm really bummed. I'm missing some like project videos, like French uh-huh. class videos. I don't know where they ever ended up. There were some really good ones, and I... Your French class sounded lit from the stories you told me about the projects you've made. I loved, I had the same French teacher for sophomore through senior year. She, I know I've talked about her before. She was fantastic. She was a really great teacher. It was actually a subject that was harder for me than other ones. So it's not, not like, oh, that's my easy class. Like it was a hard class for me. But yeah, language is hard. Yeah, but she, I don't know. She talked to us A like we were real people. Which is always uh, yeah the way to go, I think, for teachers, particularly in high school. And she just, I don't know, she had a nice kind of vibe about her. And she did make it fun. She would allow us to do video projects. It, yeah, I always appreciated it. But now I just have the memories of those videos because <laughs> I don't know where they're at. That, can, I don't know, I feel like that's sometimes, like, it sucks, but sometimes... 
like I've gone back and looked at things and like I'm so happy I have this, but then sometimes the memory is better than the actual product. It's like, ah, oh. I kind of just would have remembered that being good and not watching it again and being like, I was garbage. I don't know. I mean, I don't propose I think, that any of these were good. I think we made some creative choices. Like they're uh, either way, they're fond memories for you, and you would, mm-hmm. yeah. We always had a music number, of course, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I enjoyed making them. It w- I think it would be fun to look back now to see what they actually consisted of. Maybe that's my issue is like sometimes I go back too soon. Mm-hmm. And like, cause I've, like, you know, there's like. Like I was reading, I remember reading an article about or like interview something with one of my favorite artists, Jake Shears, and he had just wrote in a memoir at the time. I think it got up till around like 2007 and he was like kind of made a comment like someone told him like don't write about anything that happened in the past 10 years and i think that's interesting advice hmm. at least like in a, like you have to let enough time to have passed to look back objectively i think i mean that's fair yeah that's interesting right yeah hmm. i like it yeah on that note this has nothing to do with that was a bad transition that's fine are you sipping on anything um i don't think either of us are (laughs) just water but it's in a cup that says this is probably a cocktail so oh cute Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i have a smoothie (laughs) we're making healthy choices today because i I made so many unhealthy ones this weekend and say i've been healthy all day (laughs) i did a little 20 minute hit workout uh went on a long walk oh got my smoothie <laughs> Look at you go. Like, those are some good choices. Like, on Saturday night, I remember I made a burrito bowl at like 12 30 with like chicken that had been in a crock pot for over 24 hours at that point. So, that's okay. It just was a bold choice. Oh, <laughs> it was a bold choice, and I think I paid for it the next morning. But, I, mm. yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. That was probably too much information. Oh, we're all human. Yeah, but let's talk about some other humans. Yeah. There's a good segue. That's a great segue. This is so freaking wild. I can't even start to talk about it. And a lot of this information came from Phil Donahue, a a talk show called Kelly and Company, and also the pilot episode of Unsolved Mysteries. (gasps) Okay, yes, I'm here. What is up? So this episode aired on ABC on January 20th, 1987. And this is before it was even a show. It wouldn't be a show until 1988. Unfortunately, it did not have Robert Stack. It had a man named Raymond Burr, who was actually known for Perry Mason and the movie Rear Window. Okay. But it would years later start broadcasting. Or, yeah, in a year it would start broadcasting. So this was kind of just like a, we want to do this thing. Yeah. see how it goes. So... Up until the 80s, it was thought that John and Matilda basically had two daughters, Anna, who had passed at a young age, the one from uh, measles, and Frances. Yes. The horse hoe. But in 1982, a woman came forward with suspicion that she was perhaps also related to the Dodges. In 1987, we're going to go to the Unsolved Mysteries episode for a little bit, and then I'm going to kind of sprinkle on a bunch of information. Yes. A 72-year-old woman named Lucille Pat Francis. Surname Manzer, married name Mielbach, goes on Unsolved Mysteries to tell a story. Yes. Uh, within the next few years, she would also go on to recount the story in Phil Donahue and the Kelly and Company show about how she was possibly related to a, a Dodge, possibly Francis's twin, and maybe even Francis's conjoined twin separated at birth. That's a lot of claims. Uh-huh. Uh, but actually, the sweetest woman. Like, if you... yeah watch her just sweetest woman in 1959 her father uh, we're gonna go back to pat right now her father passed away and his will actually labored labeled her as quote my adopted daughter this doesn't seem weird until you hear the fact that she never knew she was adopted what a way to find out (laughs) i know it's particularly weird because she had a younger brother who was, in fact, adopted, and that was never kept a secret. Shade. That is shady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, After her father's funeral, a close cousin of her father's took her to her office, gave her a box of old photos and documents that her father had instructed for her to receive upon his death (sighs) long before the day actually arrived. When she opened it, she realized it was she had never seen anything in there before. She had actually, too, never seen pictures, photos of her as a baby, per se, just kind of from like toddler age on. Yeah, yeah. And she opened it and she saw photos of her in front of a house that she didn't really know what it was. A few adults in them that she could not specifically yeah. tell. One showed her a set of two baby girls, possibly twins, from about uh, the age eight to ten months in yeah. like matching lacy outfits. She recognized herself was probably one of them. But she didn't know who the other one was. And this would start her on a multi-decade journey to try and figure this all out. She was, however, told at the time, because I believe her mother was alive at this specific moment. Uh, Her mother passed not super long after this, I believe, but I can't. That didn't come up that much. Uh, But her mother said, oh, yeah, the other girl's name is Amy. Sure. But no specifics. And there's a few quotes that are a little long, but this is in her own words. So I'm going to say it. She said, I noticed one in particular, a picture with me and another baby dressed in identical clothes in a very fancy chair with a strand of pearls at both our necks. These were the only pictures I have ever ever seen of myself as a small baby. I always thought this odd. The Manzers were the kind of parents who took yearly studio portraits of me throughout my childhood. Furthermore, included with the photos was a document, a birth registration from a year in 1941. I was born in 1914. How can my birth be recorded some 27 years later? I would later come to find out that my adoption had not been recorded until 1941 and that all records pertaining to my adoption were left unsigned by any legal authority. (sighs) I already had children of my own. In addition, I was shocked to see my first name had been listed as Francis. I was always referred to as Lucille, the name I had known and gone by my entire life. The surname listed on the birth registration was that of Manser. Why was the name Francis on my birth registration? I had never had had proper birth certificate, so this left me to wonder. It also made me realize something was very wrong. That is spooky. Is she like the real, like maybe did the real Francis not die, but she got adopted out? The real Francis? Wait, what? Because like Francis died of like some disease, right? Or no? No, 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 no. That's a different daughter. That's the, okay, the, okay. the other one. Yeah. No, Francis is a horse hoe. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she also began to recall that when she had first gotten or applied for a driver's license, so, you know, 16, 17, whatever, it came back with the name Francis on it. And she thought that was weird at the time, but she just kind of let it go because it was cool to have a driver's license, probably. So after getting all this information, she visited the Wayne County Courthouse, but couldn't get any information as adoption records were closed. Yeah. Basically, though, her daughter-in-law had a friend, I think, and... A judge didn't end up telling her, however, that her father was unknown, but she was born in Jackson. And she got to peek at the record for like a split second, basically. And all she basically could get from that was that her mother's name was Emma Nelson. Okay. Side note, and just kind of park all this information as it gathers because it it bounces around a little bit. Uh, Emma Nelson was the name of a domestic worker at the Dodge Estate. (gasps) Oh, my God. Uh But the adoption agency said both her parents were unknown and that they had been unmarried teenagers. That was the story. The records didn't match, though. Mm -hmm. One had put her in being born in Detroit. One had put her in Jackson. One said both parents were unknown. One said this is the mother. Like, just it just didn't all go together. Lucille Pat Francis. I can use any of these names for her. Often throughout the story, I'm going to call her Pat Francis because it just. Yeah, sure. Uh, even though later in life she would go by Francis. But she had a memory from childhood, too. And this is before she got any kind of record of anything, okay? Uh-huh. And it, it it was from when she was about seven or so, she guessed, but it always stuck with her as weird, and she began to call it, maybe it was a piece of the puzzle. Who knows? But she remembers she was picked up by a red-haired woman in a large car and driven to an extravagant mansion on Boston Boulevard while accompanied by the woman who her mother told her to go with. They went up to a grand staircase, went upstairs into a bedroom where a lady laid in a sleigh bed and spoke with her. She recalled that the woman wasn't in good health and she couldn't recall exactly what the woman said to her because she was kind of taken back by how fancy the room is. Yeah. She specifically remembered rosebud wallpaper and some like sheer pink window curtains that were just beautiful to her. Yeah. She was then taken back downstairs, put into like some sort of sitting room with a lot of windows and some 
pretty tile floors, given some milk and cookies. And shortly after, the red-haired woman came back and drove her home. This is the only time she remembers going or seeing that woman. And when she got home, she couldn't stop talking about the drapes. So her dad had to recreate them using rose-colored crepe paper. Oh, Yeah. Her parents are really, really good like to her it sounds like yeah. she she really loved the mansers okay so then in 1982 at a christmas party her daughter brenda was looking through a friend's book about the dodge family when chills ran up her spine she saw some photos they looked just like her mother and her brother to her <sighs> yeah and she had known the story of this adoption and not really knowing anything about it and so she kind of was creeped out by this a little bit and doing one of those like for sure yeah then she got to the picture of the boston boulevard the 33 boston boulevard home and it looked just like the memory her mother had told her about of going to a big fancy house in her childhood Mm -hmm. um the other weird thing is and then i think she took the the book back to pat and when pat was looking through it she actually started to recognize a lot of the names as friends and associates of her parents Oh, my gosh. Of just people mentioned throughout it. Yeah. So eventually they actually connected with the author of the book, who was Jean. I think it's Patron or Patroni, mm-hmm. who around that time would become a staple in life, helping them to kind of investigate and in the future, actually accompanying them onto all of the shows that they went on. Yes. And writing another book about the Dodges. At one point, her daughter sent one of her daughters. Uh, Pat had two daughters, by the way, sent a request to the state of Michigan birth records department using the name francis and the last name manzer but no mention of an adoption the state accidentally sent her the wrong birth certificate back though they sent her francis dodge's birth certificate yes interesting thing is that the form they had used was actually one that hospitals use when there is a twin or a triplet or anything that's multiple births at the same time not a single birth form and it listed francis dodge as one of two twins Oh, my gosh. Her. Yeah. I, she would see multiple different versions of her birth certificate through out yeah. this whole journey. And it does get a little confusing. It was excused, though. At this point, they had actually entered, started to enter into some sorts of litigation and stuff with the Dodges. She just wanted to know who she was. But also there was up to 40 million dollars, actually, maybe even more than 40 million dollars. That was possible to Dodge heirs. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But. She was freaked out having this birth certificate. She tried sending it back to the state because she didn't think it was like legal for her to have it, but they just sent it back to her saying there was no mistake. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the legal battle battles start and Pat starts going by Francis because she's seen it in a couple places at this point. And she was encouraged by lawyers to take on this whole huge battle. Uh, she was also asked by the Dodge lawyers to take a DNA test at U of M, the results of which she would never see. They also neglected to use them in court ever oh like that's like it's such an easy solution to all of this well yeah but the dodges lawyers are sneaky sneaky yeah i mean they're working for who they're working for um i kind of just have lists now of what i call some puzzle pieces so john john dodges will states that he had quote unknown issues when it came to how his estate should be dispersed this meant that the Dodge estate upon his death had to hold on to a sum of money to determine what this means. So basically, if Frances Pat were able to prove she was John's daughter, she, again, could inherit $40 million. But screw DNA test. Let's figure this out by logic. Yeah. Sure. Well, but they didn't know. But Frances, she didn't have a choice with the DNA. She couldn't access the records because it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. If she could have, she would have. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And Frances Pat, uh, on the talk show, she she does show it. She does have a really weird scar on the back of her neck that her mother had always told her was from, like, falling down as a young child. However, at a doctor's appointment as an adult, somebody asked her about it. And she was like, oh, yeah, my mom said I fell as a child. And they were like, no, that's a surgical scar. (gasps) And (laughs) there are... Some records of Francis Dodge, the actual, the horse, Francis Dodge, actually having scars too, but there's no photo proof. And there's some informants have said she did somewhere around like the back of the shoulder. And her adoptive brother actually claimed that she had none. So there's, you know, yeah, conflicting, conflicting information. Uh, 
One other thing is Francis Pat's daughter does actually have a striking resemblance to Francis Dodge's daughter. Like they yeah. in photos of the same age could be the same person. Or yeah. Francis Pat's <laughs> dad's close friend was Frank Upton John, who was also the Dodge's personal secretary and more than likely the one who set up the adoption. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Pat, too, as a child, she discovered, had actually been sent to a tuberculosis hospital in Niles, Michigan. Who was from uh, Niles, Michigan? Everybody in this case. Yeah. For her first six months, she was and it wasn't, well, it was a tuberculosis, um, not just hospital. Sanatorium? Yes, thank you. A tuberculosis sanatorium. And shortly after, she went to live with the Manzers. And... I just want to mention that in those days, it was very uncouth to have an unhealthy child uh-huh. uh, or there could have been fear of her infecting the other baby if there were two babies. And if this twin theory comes into view, this would have been very difficult for so- such a wealthy family to have, yeah. especially because Matilda was also t- she was worried about their social status. Yeah. Uh, another piece. Six months prior to Pat coming into the Manser's life, they had been evicted from a home, although shortly after she arrived they outright owned a home in an upper middle class neighborhood and pat's mom began to dress in mink stoles and they also owned a number of brand new dodge vehicles huh suspicious Mm -hmm. however shortly after john dodge's death in 1920 they had to downgrade everything including selling that house moving to a different neighborhood no more mink no more new cars again sus Mm -hmm. so pat and francis dodge horse uh pat or horse uh were both actually born in november of 1914 although pat has three different birth dates but all of them are within a a week and like including francis's yeah pat's name on one of the birth certificates was actually listed as francis and this one actually puts her being born in detroit as well she began to take her claims to public to gather more of the pieces of the puzzle. She went on all these shows. She wasn't after money, just the history. Her daughter, Sharon, though, who assisted, said that she was definitely interested in for the money, or as Donahue put it, quote, where there's a will, there's a relative. Yeah. Yeah. So remember the the rosebud wallpaper? Yes. Well, when they were building Meadowbrook Hall, Matilda had actually duplicated a room that she shared with John at their Boston Boulevard home with a sleigh bed, mm-hmm. including some rosebud wallpaper and rose drapes. It's not usually open to public, but Pat was able to make an appointment with the Hall's curator sometime in the 80s and view it. It was the room she remembered, basically. Oh, my gosh. That was a recreation of the one she might have remembered, but it was. Yeah, still. It hit for her. Just before her death, Viola Upton, so the wife of Frank Upton, the secretary of John Dodge, who might have also assist in this adoption mm-hmm. did confirm that Frank may have had a large part in placing Francis with the Mansers. Yeah. And when she, Francis asked her if she had any Francis Pat asked her if she had any more information, she just said, Lucille, you had good parents and I cannot elaborate on your biological father. I made a promise to my husband and would never consider breaking that promise. <sighs> Spooky. Uh... Mm-hmm. In the 80s, several former employee family members and such came forward to give some interesting information about either things they had heard from rumors or, you know, just around the shop and stuff. Yeah. A daughter and a son-in-law of a former Dodge employee talked about how their dad used to grumble that that he had been offered or promised $10,000 upon Dodge's death because he had offered that to all of his employees at some point. Uh Uh, But it never actually made it into the will. So none of them ever got that 10 grand. So he would kind of gripe about it the rest of his life. He would also then mumble about how he couldn't believe anyone would give a child away. (sighs) He had heard they'd given birth to a litter. Oh, my gosh. There is a story, and this one's actually on at least one, maybe two of the talk shows, but her name is Mabel Borget, and her father was a hunting fishing companion of Dodge's. And she said that in 1930... She was kind of newly married. She was pregnant, and she and her new mother-in-law were on a walk one day in Hamtramck. Uh, She had previously seen a newspaper article about conjoined twins. Yeah. Which kind of freaked her out because she was pregnant, and she she didn't know how prevalent it was, and she she didn't want... Because it can be a complication, unfortunately. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. And so she was asking her mother-in-law about it, which and her 
ended in her mother-in-law telling her story about how the Dodges had given birth to conjoined twins, but it was kept very hush-hush and one was sickly, so it was sent away. She confided that her husband had told her just days after the birth occurred. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Mr. Manzer's cousin, I think the one who gave her that box of photos, also gave an interesting deposition in one of the hearings. Her mother had told her while she was young that Lucille, so Pat Francis, was yeah. adopted and her father's name was on an automobile. And when she was a child, she just thought it was Henry Ford. <laughs> yeah. In a book called Tangled, which the writer Patron, yeah. Jean Patroni, she wrote after meeting Pat and all this is happening. There's actually several accounts, too, from former employees uh, and farmers at the Rochester property that all speak of the Dodges having twin daughters. Oh, my gosh. So after six years of battles in courts in 1990, Frances Pat was granted the right to see her birth certificate and adoption records as held like by the state. Yeah. Problem, though, she come across multiple things. It's confusing. And when she. They've been tampered with, let's just say they've been tampered with. Yeah. You can actually and there's I do have photos of it, so I'll try to post them. You can actually see where there are eraser marks. Things <sighs> are written over other things. Um. We're talking about the birth certificate specifically. And the name of the mother is listed as Emma Jane Nelson. So that was the one yeah. of the maids within the Boston Boulevard home. But there, that's clearly over other things. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it listed the doctor, but that was also clearly changed. And finally, it listed Francis's name to be Romilda Bain. No, Romilda May Born Alive. Okay. Interesting. Romilda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like Matilda. That was pointed out somewhere. Yeah. Um, A handwriting ink and analysis expert looked at it and concluded it was written with a ballpoint pen and then erased with a number two pencil in several areas. And you could actually just see it with the naked eye, too. But, you know, it's always nice to have expert yeah. opinions. The records were also never actually signed by any any judicial authority. The adoption records indicated that she wasn't actually adopted until she was 41 years old. As mentioned, it also gave a glimpse into the physical appearance of Emma Jane Nelson, who was dark complexion, dark, short hair of German descent. And this went heavily against the appearance of the very fair skin and very blonde Frances. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The record also indicated she was born in Niles and had spent the first six months in the sanatorium, the tuberculosis sanatorium. Yeah. Uh, But no medical information was given as to why. A neighbor of Manzer's, though, did recall that she would witness Pat's mother applying mustard packs on her chest daily, which was a well-known remedy for complications with tuberculosis. Okay. Uh, the record, though, also states that she was born at Women's Hospital of Detroit, but when they tried to corroborate this with the hospital's records, they indicated there was never a child born to Emma Nelson there. And furthermore, the physician listed was never on staff there, nor they, had they ever heard of her. And her name on the adoption papers was listed as Frances Lucille Manzer. Wow. Yeah. What? So. Yeah. (laughs) That is crazy. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Yep. So to sum it all up theory wise, there's a few main theories. One is that Frances and Frances were separated at birth rather than Michonne, the less healthy one was sent away. Number two, that Frances Pat uh, was the eliminated legitimate daughter of john dodge and the maid emma nelson uh-huh. and one one weird thing is emma nelson actually did disappear from their house a year after francis's birth and mm-hmm. census records are the only thing to go by with her she had only been in the dodge house for a short time at this point and she left it around 1915 she got married sometime in 1916 divorced in 1921 remarried 24 passed in 35 so like but she was in new york at that point so she did leave michigan yeah. Number three, that Frances Pat was the Ill- illegitimate daughter of John Dodge and his sister-in-law, Amelia Rausch. So okay. that's Matilda's sister. Matilda and her were very close. However, she Matilda was a little jealous of her sisters because there was actually a connecting door between John's bedroom and Amelia's b- bedroom at the Meadowbrook house. Sus. Yeah. He also gave her a $5,000 ring at one point. I mean, Matilda at the same point received a million dollar check, but. Ring versus check. Which one's more romantic? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, And actually, in 1914, Amelia was banished from the 
Detroit home on Boston Boulevard and sent to live at Meadowbrook to tend to it. Sauce. Yeah. Um, so Pat, Francis, I, I yeah. want to call her Francis because she, she, that's what she went by later in life. I just don't want it to get confusing. Yeah. Uh, she died in 2009 in Florida, peacefully surrounded by family members, never knowing the answer. Doesn't mean we don't now, though. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But I am going to share a lovely quote because I don't want to forget her, the parents that raised her. Yeah. And she said, I loved my parents, actually. I had a blessed childhood and a very deep love for my father and mother. My father was an exceptional man, a good man. My dad spent a lot of time with me, teaching me many wonderful things along the way. He made sure I had a good education and knew all the wonders of nature. He always encouraged my artistic abilities. Some of my best childhood memories were of the wonderful times I spent with my dad, making paper dolls, fishing, vacation at the lake, and swinging on the back of the house on that old swing he built. He was a loving, kind man. Together, he and my mother left me with strong morals and good religious beliefs and good skills to make my way through this life. Oh, yeah, like... Mm-hmm. it kind of like the whole argument like parents the ones who raised you it's not who actually gave birth to you love that yeah i mean i i don't blame anybody for trying to find any kind of like oh, not at all no and you and i have talked about this <laughs> before for sure but we are going to wrap it up with a little bit of it's not completely resolved but i do have a little resolution for you so one of her daughters sharon also I think also goes by Charlie and she wrote an article. I think she originally wrote it in 2014 where I got some of these quotes from. She also updates the comment section though. And somewhere around 2017, 18, she received an ancestry kit. So she did that and it actually proves that her bloodline is related to that of the Dodge bloodline. Oh, but oddly enough, it also indicated that she is uh, connected to his first wife, Ivy Hawkins in some way. Oh, but Ivy passed away far before Francis was ever born. I think it was like 1902 or something. Francis was born in 1914. But it's actually thought that John Dodge was not possibly Francis Pat's dad, but possibly one of the the, one of the children of John and Ivy. Is is her dad because. Yes, it seems that. They had one son, John John Dodge Jr., mm-hmm. and he was born in 1898, which did put him at like 16. Not I impossible. Think. Yeah. So there's no conclusive evidence of it. But the only reason I left out his previous two daughters is because the DNA connection also connects it to Emma Nelson's bloodline as well. So that was the the housekeeper. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. There's no conclusive evidence, specifically because now we're working from Francis's daughter's DNA. Yeah. And, you know, there's still some of it missing, but the conclusive evidence is that she was a Dodge. She was related yeah. to that family. There's reasons for all the resemblance there. Probably not John Dodge's daughter, but possibly, or possibly not his daughter, but possibly, quite possibly his granddaughter interesting born at the same time as his daughter that is fascinating Mm -hmm. and wild Uh uh-huh yeah um i do want to mention my sources really quick oh do it we're just gonna say wikipedia of course unsolved mysteries phil donahue show kelly company also i didn't read this book but i will recommend if you're interested in this stuff i do want to read this now and it's pretty cheap on you know you can find it for cheap called tangled web love legacy of an auto pioneer john f dodge and it's by gene patron and pubpages.com an article called i am dodge a candid interview with francis mealbeck by her daughter nice we have been through time and space i you know it had everything i couldn't stop and i i could see a, why hope, i was gonna say i hope that's as interesting to other people as it was no, to me for sure great job that was fascinating thank you thank you for going along uh this of course <laughs> longer than usual journey with me it's just like i wonder if they're gonna have these kinds of problems in the future because record keeping is all a bit more together than it had been in the times before well, and now, now there is actual dna testing which i know she had gotten dna tested like i said at u of m 
Mm-hmm. And but she could see her results, but because that was ordered by the Dodge estate, she didn't have access to the Dodge DNA results. Right, right. So like it existed when this was all happening and she was alive, but because DNA testing is more accessible now too and I mean it's making huge waves in the true crime. Oh yeah. You know, for community. Sure. Uh I mean just look at the Golden the whole Golden State Killer thing. Like Yeah. That's the work on that Do you case think that's is why the insane. true came, true crime blew up like it did because they were finally able to solve all these cases that had been dormant for so long. I think, or it's do you think always, people are just genuinely interested all the time? I think it's always been a fascination, but I think that there was more of a stigma of like, oh, if you like true crime, then what are you, you studying know, you to must, do your crime? Yeah, yeah, you must be, you must be a murderer and you must be weird. Whereas that's not the case. You know, most people right. study it. A because they can't fathom it, or B almost as like a um precautionary thing. Like, <laughs> right. like for some people, it just makes them feel safe to to hear those stories or learn those stories. I'm kind of in the yeah, and I, there is just a fascination because for me too, it's I just don't curiosity. understand. Yeah, how brains can function like that. I mean, I, right? It no, just, definitely. It's an interesting. It's an interesting thing to, from like the human perspective, to see mm-hmm. what was going on with them and their perception and their mind and everything that caused them to like do these things. So I get like, like it's very interesting from like a psychology and sociology kind of aspect of things. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I think maybe it's made people more comfortable to talk about it because of the advancements and maybe, yeah. you know, in that way, it's affected the the blowing up of true crime but i also think it's just there is more accessible information and the stigma yeah. around it nobody wants it to happen still <laughs> be better to to not have it be a subject matter but it yeah. is something that happens and i think there's just a lot more people willing to yeah. be open about the fact that they do watch those documentaries and the documentaries are getting really good <laughs> yeah i know i like I almost started the Night Stalker the other night. I like was hovering on it, and I was like, "Not a vibe." It wasn't a vibe at the time. I was like, "I need to be in the mindset for this," and I'm not. I think it was like That's right totally after fair. I got done watching Josie and the Pussycats. So <gasps> you watched it. I love that. Movie. I did. I should have told you earlier. Yes, I watched it last. I think it was actually like last night. Yeah. And great movie. Great good. movie. Good. Yeah, it's. It's an overlooked Definitely movie. ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. 100 Like, I think it was very interesting watching it in 2021 mm-hmm. and just seeing, like, oh, no, shit really was kind of like that back then. And, like, it oh, is yeah. still kind of now, but, like, very much so in the early 2000s. Yes, and I mean, like, obviously, too, that movie uh, is a um, hyperbole of the situation, yeah. too. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one that didn't get as much traction as it deserves. Yeah. Um, would you like to see some of these side-by-side photos, by the way? I would love to. And these will be on Instagram, of course. This is the photo of the two baby girls with the pearl necklaces and matching outfits. Okay. This is Francis's son next to Horace Dodge Jr. So next to Hor- yeah, Horace. I can see son. the resemblance. And then this is... Frances, when she was younger, next to John Dodge. I can definitely see the resemblance there. Like in the eye and the nose kind of area. Yeah. And then this one's the the most spot on. This is Francis, one of Francis's daughters next to Francis Dodge's daughter. Frederica. Mm-hmm. What a name. Yeah. But yeah, I can see that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tell like like the pictures comparing her kids to other kids in the Dodge family is interesting just because like you can see the family resemblance, but you can tell they come from very different backgrounds. Oh, yes, 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 for sure. And I mean, time, and I think that's, time periods and stuff, too. Oh, yeah. definitely that, too. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, great job. Like just to like wrap up the three part, like excellent job. Just. Oh, uh, I think that, like, 
there's just there was so much there and i think the way you broke it up was great and i think that the information was great um also shout out to karen d for the suggestion of the topic seriously thank you so much karen d thank you thank you thank you uh we have absolutely no choice but to yeah, stand. Yeah, no, it just, it led me places I never would have imagined. Right, it was, like, who would have thought, like, uh, like, for something, like, literally a name that you see. All the time. Almost mm-hmm. daily. Yeah, when you're driving in traffic, there's almost always mm-hmm. a Dodge. Yeah. Especially in this part of the never country. Never did it. I don't know where you are. <laughs> Never did I think it would lead me to the pilot episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Which just like that itself blows my mind. Yeah. Just oh yeah. Yeah. It's a great job. And hopefully, listeners, you enjoyed that because I know I did. Because you've been listening to it for three weeks now. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine if they made it this far, they probably liked it. (laughs) I hope so. I was worried about, yeah. um, yeah, just taking so long to tell a story. But there was just so many mm-hmm. parts. I think it was, you know, you weren't pulling like a Hunger Games part two or like a Harry Potter, like where they're just clearly stretching it mm-hmm. out. Or The Hobbit. Like, yeah. Oh, God. The <laughs> Hobbit. How the Hobbit is 16 movies. I don't think I've even seen them all. It took four steps and that's like one movie. I, yeah, It's bad. I don't, I just don't understand. I don't. I know. I haven't seen any of the Hobbit movies, and I'm I okay think with I've that. seen the first two. I didn't even know there was a third Weird one plan- for like a really long time. <laughs> Somebody told me I was like, "There's three? I thought there was only two because I had only seen the first one. <laughs> I was today years old when I learned that. I was like, I don't know how many Hobbit movies there are, but I guess now I know there are mm-hmm. three. Well, it's just ridiculous because it's from a book that's like less than one of the books of Lord of the Rings, and Lord of the Rings is three books and three movies and. <laughs> right it just makes sense like, i was gonna say oh i was playing a trivia game mm-hmm. with tj yeah i think it was sunday and he was like oh this is such an easy one you're gonna get it and it was like about lord of the rings and i'm like uh it was something oh it was like what's the name of the evil wizard that created the rings and i'm like fuck i think it's the tower the tower guy right i don't know his name so i'm just gonna say gandalf and that was wrong uh sauron there we go i had forgotten in that moment too i was like shit what is it if you're sauron. ever playing a trivia okay. game and you can phone a friend and it's lord of the rings i'm not gonna i'm no expert but i i've read the books and i yeah no more than me i've read the books and i enjoyed the lord of the rings movies only the lord of the rings movies and i will right. probably watch the new amazon show out of curiosity when it debuts Amazon's doing a show? I didn't know that. Yeah, they're doing... I think it's like a prequel-y kind of show. I guess the budget's like a billion dollars. I saw a TikTok. Um, which is a large budget. And I think it's a prequel. Sure. My parents were really into it. Uh, so I was exposed to Middle Earth at a young age. It was that tracks the hobbit was my bedtime that story tracks yeah okay yeah. but i'm not i'm not an expert but and i i like the lord of the rings yeah i have no strong feelings either way mm-hmm. i could take it or leave it and maybe if i watched them because i haven't watched them since like middle school so mm-hmm. like i do want to just take a day and like but i think i'd rather not do it alone i think i'd like to have a day and have like a couple people who also enjoy it and just be like let's just hunker down Let's have some snacks and let's watch all three. Uh, can I be invited to that? Of course. Because it's I when you said like them, like I don't really like them, but I wanted to give them another chance. And I feel like that would be a fun setting with people who do love them. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't watched them in a long time, which is why I'm kind of like it's been long enough. I'm I'm reinvested. Yeah. I did that with Harry Potter earlier in quarantine. I was like. I guess I can dip my toes back in. They're making a series out of that, too, now, a TV show. That seems unnecessary. Is it the same people? I was thinking about it, but then I was like, if they're going to retell the story as a TV show, they can go, because a lot of the critiques of the movies are where they cut out too much detail. Oh, okay, okay. 
So I could kind of see, but I also like the story's been told. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't I don't mind like a spinoff type of deal or something like that. But just redo. I I don't know. Stuff gets redone all the time, though. I don't fully know, but I'm not going to lie. I've never seen the last Harry Potter movie. Um, I saw the first part. You know how it's like two parts or whatever. That's the one with Hunger Games. I lost interest because I had to wait too long between entries. Oh, yeah. I've only seen the first two of those. just because I read the I read the books and I was just like, as the books went on, I'm like, I couldn't possibly. Uh, <laughs> I'm really good about dipping out on things uh, before the end. <laughs> I used to not be, but then I realized, like, I don't have to finish things if I don't like them. Well, it if it's like a TV show, I have a hard time, to be honest. Uh, but mm. if it's a series of movies and the new ones aren't out yet, I'm fine with it. Because there's enough space that okay. I like totally lost all interest by the time yeah. it comes out, and I'm like, eh. it's not that I don't yeah. have any interest. I just not enough. Exactly. TV shows though are a different story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once I'm in, I'm in. And so I sometimes like that with TV shows, but some I feel like I'm more likely to dip out in a TV show than a movie. Interesting. Like I've never. I think, I think I've walked out of a movie like once, mm-hmm. and I can't even remember what movie it was. I walked out of a movie theater once, and I also cannot recall. I want to say, it was. I think it was called The New Kid, and it starred D- DJ okay. Qualls, who made his fame in Road Trip. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute since I've seen that one. Same. Although I used to really love it. I mean, it, I remember it being mm-hmm. funny. It went, yeah. I didn't love it as much as I loved Euro Trip, but oh yeah, I haven't seen that. I don't know if I've seen that ever. If it, it I've probably watched it in high school once. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> don't tell Scotty. I love that song. <laughs> Me too. I think I had it as like a phone ringer or something for a while. Oh my god, I love that. Uh yeah. Um. <laughs> uh... For a drastic vibe Ooh. change, would you like some two truths and a lie? I would adore two truths and one lie precisely. Have you been hearing about the stock shenanigans that's been happening I lately? Heard. I, I, I heard. I have. I definitely have. And I finally understand. I had to do research to actually understand what was happening and why. I was like, all I know is people are screwing rich people over and that's cool and I'm into that. But now I that's why I jumped in. <laughs> but now I understand it. I am a little bummed because I have one stock. <laughs> I have one stock on Robin Hood and I'm like, well, now they suck. <laughs> yeah. Because Can you change the I don't know. You can sell it and buy a new one. I know. But then I have to go through and do that. Because then I have to like it is a process. Because then I have to sell it. Then I have to like cash out of that app. Then I have to sign up for whatever new thing i'm not saying yeah. i'm not gonna do it because they were shady and i don't like supporting the shady business yeah. i just haven't yet well for the i was just gonna give a quick in case anyone hasn't heard reddit basically um like this is my understanding reddit users the like subreddit wall street bets figured out that some hedge fund was trying to short gamestop stock and managed to get it to jump from like $15 of share to over 400 at one mm-hmm. point. And that's what the, basically the hedge funders had to buy back the stock at that price instead of the price they bought it at. And so they lost like, I think one hedge fund lost like $5 billion. And I was like, sucks to suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I'm all just about screwing over the mm-hmm. stock. Bros. Well, this whole thing did teach me. I've heard the term hedge fund manager for like a long time. Now I actually understand what that entails. And I yeah. didn't, understand that before and i'm like wow i love it because i did see a meme that was like everyone got bored with among us i guess we'll do the stocks app now <laughs> mm-hmm. but um so my two truths and a lie i have three stocks and i want you to tell me which ones the reddit users i which one the reddit users did not identify okay. as one to okay. watch so we have TGI, the Triumph Group Inc., which is the owner of TGI Fridays. 
the nerve of them to use TGI and then make it fit something else, <laughs> like the Triumph group. Anyway, TGI, AMC, the movie theater chain, and then Nokia. Uh, the TGI Friday one is the lie. It very much <laughs> is. I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe mm-hmm. she hasn't heard about it. But like, the longer it went on after I wrote it, I'm like, she's probably heard about this. But I well, was just- to be honest, though, I might not have known that information. I did do. Like I said, I did do a little research and actually my roommate bought um, a share of Nokia. So we had a good laugh about that. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have. I think I bought two shares of Nokia. Okay. Oh, uh, they're not doing great. No. They're doing okay. No. Um, I lo- Just for the TGI Friday, for the false, the note I put it false. I'm not sure you could rally enough people to buy this stock. <laughs> to support cgi fridays i mm. would you support it do you like a tgi no. fridays i was gonna say okay, unless you was... like um one dollar long islands <laughs> oh. which like the thought of that just makes my head hurt and my stomach turns simultaneously because you know that's not good no it's like nail polish rubbing alcohol and some sugar some little sugar. yeah and then just splash of coke <laughs> the uh line or lemon wedge flash of encore for coke lovers yeah, exactly. uh no that was a good one though if i hadn't have actually read on it i probably wouldn't known gamestop but i i don't i don't think i'd have known amc and nokia so that that yeah. would have been very difficult yeah it's just interesting I, i'm just interested to see where this goes from now on mm-hmm. because Mm-hmm. now i'm vested yeah I have money. well and then there's all the, the stuff much. too with like the I, um with like two shares the uh cryptocurrency stuff too yeah which my brain i have a hard time wrapping my brain around that i do know some people who bought uh was it Do- doge or doji dogecoin, dogecoin. Yeah. i bought some dogecoin as well i know a few people who have and i'm like should i be doing but i also don't understand enough about it or have enough um I'm treating it like gambling. I'm like, well, yeah, if I was going into this because I was like, I was like, if I was going to casino, Mm -hmm. I would take out certain amount of cash. In this case, it was 60 bucks. I put 60 bucks in. I'm like, you could have fun with that until it's gone, but you can't put any more. in. So that's how I'm treating the stocks. That's what I did with the one stock I own. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So drink Starbucks, people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think we were all really worried about them mm-hmm. doing okay. I gotta tell you, now I look at it and I'm like, I wish I had bought so much more. Right. Hindsight is 2020. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I'm all right. <laughs> we, we'll learn how to wolf Wall Street and then we'll take them for all they got. But for now, I think that wraps us. Yeah, I think we are wrapped up like a to-go order from TGI Fridays. <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you dare compare us to a TGI Friday's meal. We are a crunch wrap, baby. We have been folded up and we are wrapped and ready to go. Okay, you're right. That's much better. I just couldn't. I wouldn't sit right knowing that we were some like TGI Friday's (laughs) microwaved mozzarella sticks. Mm. Uh, We are a crunch wrap. I'll take it. Don't you ever forget it. I will take it. Uh, Yes. But um, if you want to follow us on our social medias, uh, there's at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, if you want to send us any emails, um, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And as always, we'd love it if you could support the show by uh, subscribing, rating, reviewing, uh, which actually it's February now. Yeah. So we actually are going to run a little bit of a contest in February. Um, anybody who leaves us a review, we are going to enter into a contest and we will be giving away some free merch. Yeah. We will probably get in contact with you and give you several choices, uh, some sort of shirt, possibly a bag, and let you choose which one you'd like and then send it to you. So yeah. leave us some reviews hopefully they're nice because hopefully you like it because you're with us right now uh and you're still here yeah <laughs> and uh, although we may have lost the tgi friday stands. <gasps> sorry guys i'm okay with it um yeah. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. We no, need, I'm we, sorry. I don't judge people. I do not judge people based on their restaurant. We do not choices. judge people on their. They don't have to be the same chain as restaurant mine. Pro. But you can also support us on Patreon. Just go patreon.com. Find Detroit Strange, and of course, if you want your own merch, you can go to our Threadless shop, and there's a lot of choices there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think though. Until next mm-hmm. time. Did I miss anything? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I got real paranoid that I missed something there. Anyway. That was my favorite, though, and that's staying in. <laughs> okay, cool. So until next time. Stay, Stay straight. <laughs> See, I tried to take your line of until next time. No, but that was great. This is what I loved it, though. I know. I loved it. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sax and Violence.